Hi, this is Pastor Daniel Bracken. You're listening to Kings Alaska podcast. I hope the word encourages you and you get a touch from God that brings transformation and equips you to experience life with people, power, and purpose. Thank you for joining us. Enjoy the word. Psalm 107, verse 23. If you're all there, say, woohoo. All right, good. Someone out on the sea in ships. They were merchants on the mighty waters. Verse 24. They saw the works of the Lord, his wonderful deeds in the deep. For he spoke and stirred up a tempest that lifted high the waves. They mounted up to the heavens and went down to the depths. In their peril, their courage melted away. They reeled and staggered like drunkards. They were at their wits end. Let me just stop. Has anybody been to sea? Has they got any commercial fishermen here? Anybody know what that's like? You've been at your wits end? It's a horrible experience. Verse 28, then they cried out to the Lord in their trouble and he brought them out of their distress. He stilled the storm to a whisper. The waves of the sea were hushed. They were glad when it grew calm. He guided them to their safe haven. Let's pray. Father, we ask for your power to come upon us right now. Holy Spirit, come. Release living understanding and may the effects of this service be far-reaching, even to eternity. Holy Ghost, come and have your way. Right upon the fleshly tablets of our heart, I pray. And may we never be the same in Jesus' name. Why don't you say hi to three or four people and say you're never going to be the same. Amen. And then you can be seated. You can be seated tonight. I'm going to move on down here and get a little closer to you. A number of years ago, and you might have heard these stories. I have many life stories. And a number of years ago, I was a commercial fisherman. I, I went commercial fisherman. It didn't last long. Um, it just wasn't cut out for it. We retrofitted a long-lining vessel in the port of Seattle. The vessel was 165 feet long with a 23-foot beam. And we took that vessel up the north, uh, up, the, up the inside passage. And I will never forget getting seasick at the inside passage. And I was, it was a calm night. And I went up to the, the deck and I just lied down with that cold steel on my face, hoping that I could get rid of the nausea. And I'll never forget this guy comes and says, hey, Greenhorn. They didn't even know my name. <laughs> Nobody knew my name except my name was Greenhorn. The guy kicks me and says, hey, Greenhorn. I'm like, what? He says, are you sick, really, right now? He says, son, we're not even out of the open ocean. You're in trouble. I said, okay. It's in my 20s, and he walked off, and I wondered what open ocean meant. I was soon to find out what open ocean meant. 
as things were flying around the ship that weren't, weren't tied down. And um, we were in 40 and 50 foot swells in the Bering Sea in the middle of January. We couldn't fish because it was so much, you know, so, the swell was so big and it was a, a traumatic experience. <laughs> and so Psalm 107, I can, can anybody relate to this? I remember crying out to God, oh God, I don't want to die. These people don't even know my name, God, God. And, and those of you that have heard this story before will perhaps remember this part. There was a, a young man who had been in prison for five years and he got gloriously saved in prison and he was a, he was a chef. He, he knew how to cook and so he was the cookie, you know, he was the, the cook. He was so sick that he couldn't make any meals. So he, I'll never forget him putting up sandwich bread and peanut butter and jelly. And I think the crew was going to kill him because the only thing you look forward to when you were fishing is like a really good meal. And he was so sick he couldn't cook. So it just started getting worse and worse. And he was my bunk mate. He was, we were roommates. So I come in after a shift and he's rocking back and forth on his bunk with a Bible. Now, I, I knew about Jesus. I, I, uh, I didn't know Jesus like I know Jesus now. I was a God-fearing man, sort of. I believed in God. Maybe I was lacking the fear part. And he's got the Bible open in the book of Job. And his prayer meeting was this. It's not as bad as Job. Oh, God, it's not as bad as Job. Oh, God, it's not as bad as Job. And I, I mean, it just, it was like, it was a mantra. He wouldn't stop. And I said, hey, uh, hey, dude. He's like, what? I said, who's Job? He says, oh, he's this guy. He's this guy. It's really bad. And, it, and this isn't that bad. I'm like, okay. He said, but it's bad. I'm like, okay. You ever been in a storm like that, whether it be on a fishing vessel or some other set of circumstances where you need God to bring you into your safe haven, you begin to cry out. And you look through the book of Judges and you'll see when Israel began to cry out, that was the beginning of their miracle when he began to, when they began to cry out, that's when God would send them a judge. That's when God would send them a deliverer. That's when God would send breakthrough. Crying out is another word for intercessory prayer. It's another word for prayer. Cry out, Jesus, help God. Oh God, help. That's what that means. And this text speaks of so much about how God delivered them when they cried out. I'm going to tell you what I've found coming back from Oregon that many people are unwilling. Listen closely for those of you that are tweeting and want to put up a post. This, this, this might work. Many people are unwilling to go through pain, the pain required, the agony necessary to bring you into your safe haven. Let me run that through again. Many people, most people are unwilling to go through the pain and the agony that's required to bring you into the place of fulfillment or your safe haven. Or if I could say, quote, Psalm 107, your desired haven. What do you mean by that? You have, you know, Christianity is a violent thing. I mean, getting up for morning prayer is an act of violence. And all the people that got up for morning prayer this morning said, amen. Can you, can you say a better amen? amen? 
When, when, you, when you push yourself away from the table to restrict yourself from food and drink, to fold down your humanity so that you could draw near to, the, to God, so that you could bring your heart, as Mike Bickle says, before the burning bush of his presence. When you do that, that's an act of violence. Not eating. Who does that? People that are, people that are, I mean, more than a diet. I'm talking about fasting and prayer. It's, it's your desiring God to move in your life more than you want the Twinkies, you understand. And yet in circumstances and in life, many times you have to turn the other cheek and turn the other cheek and, until you're out of cheeks and then you start over. If you're not willing to confront things in your life, you're never going to come into the place of rich fulfillment. Psalm 66 says, I brought you through the fire, I brought you through the flood, and I brought you into a place of rich fulfillment. What kind of fulfillment? Rich. What kind? I feel like I'm in that. I feel like I'm in that place. Many, many battles and many fronts contending for a harvest of souls. That's why we're here. That's why we built this. We're not, we're not here to stand in front of shiny lights to look good or something. Give me a break. We're here, built a building. It's an ark. This is an ark. You're, what you're in is an ark. Because there's coming a storm. There's coming challenges. And many of you are in the midst of them. But in the midst of your challenge, in the midst of your difficulty, if you'll call out to God, He will bring breakthrough for you. He will bring healing. It's true. He will bring deliverance. He will shut the mouths of lions. He can raise the dead, heal the sick, and set the captives free. There's nothing that He can't do. But if you shy away, oh, come on, go there. I didn't give you notes. Praise God. Go to, go to Revelation chapter 12. You go to Revelation 12 and verse 11, you see how they overcame Satan. They overcame Satan by the blood of the lamb, by the word of their testimony, by what? The word of their testimony and loving their lives not so much as to shrink from death. So think about that for a second. I think that's a New King James vernacular Loving your life, not so much as you shrink from death. It gives you a framework, a framework for how to win. Blood of the lamb. Without the blood of the lamb, you know, you might just thought you win, but you didn't really win anything because without him, we can do nothing. Apart from him, we can do nothing. So the blood of the lamb. Without the blood of the lamb, you're still in your sin. Without the blood of the lamb, you don't have any real victory. I don't care how much money you make. I don't care how well it's going in the natural. It doesn't matter how much, how much land you've accumulated or how much favor you have. None of that matters. What matters is whether your name is written in the lamb's book of life. Success by the world's standard is having, you know, more friends, more money, more favor, more, more elevation. That's the love of the world. The love of Christ is not like that. You're never exhorted to have more money and, and, and to be your, your name in lights, if I can say it that way. When you love God with all your heart, your mind, your soul, and strength, being successful in God is having what he says you can have, doing what he says you can do, being who God says you can be. That's what success is. Real success in the kingdom is in the end, when you stand before him, you hear, well done, thou good and faithful servant. That's what real success is. So how many of you know there's people that might accumulate a lot or have a lot of favor and seem like they're very successful, but not here. Well done. See, if God called me to, to, to politics and he called me to be somebody or perhaps on politics, perhaps in the marketplace to be a king in the kingdom, to generate wealth and to do that expressly and not be a pastor. And I was a pastor. I would have failed. 
See, do you understand? You, everyone has a divine assignment from God. All of us have a divine assignment from God. Fulfilling that divine assignment is crucial. Come on, lift your hands to heaven and say, Amen. And on the way to fulfilling your divine assignment, you will have obstacles like a Mack truck with your name emblazoned on the front grill trying to hit you. There is difficulty, challenges that you'll go through. Turn to Psalm 105. Psalm 105, turn there. And so... As you face these challenges, you have to overcome. But if you'll see them differently, see tests, see problems as opportunities for promotion in God. See your trial. Never waste a good trial. Everybody say that. Never waste a good trial. Trials, consider it not strange, says James. You face all kinds of fiery trials. It is normal. He said, well, I thought when I got saved, I gave my heart to Jesus and started coming to church, I'd have no problems. Are you kidding? When I, I, when I gave my heart to Christ, I got fired from my first job. I was never fired before that, and then I'm fired. And then Pastor Karen took my job. It was crazy. It was before we were married. I wasn't making sandwiches right at the Kihei Cafe. I made sandwiches better than the owner, except he fired me, and then I guess he knew what was going on, and I was not submitted to authority. Psalm 105, and that brought a trial. Listen, there's trials. You're either in a trial because of your own foolishness, some would call stupidity, you're in, you're in a trial because of something you've done. You're in a trial because of maybe something somebody else has done. You're in a trial perhaps because of the devil. How many of you know he sends trials, but not every trial is from the devil. You're in a trial perhaps because of a storm from the Lord, Jonah. You're, you're in a trial maybe because of what, what Romans calls creation's grown. There's many different reasons for trials and problems. But if you'll cry out in the midst of him and you'll allow for God to turn it for good, he can take even your own foolish, stupid decision and turn it around. How many of you are grateful for that? And, and if it's the devil, he will turn, heal, and run. And if it's God trying to get you to the shores of Nineveh, then you want to repent and get going the right way. You know, not, every, not everything's the devil. Psalm 105, verse 17. Listen to this now. He sent a man before them, Joseph, sold as a slave. They bruised his feet with shackles. His neck was put in iron till what he foretold came to pass. Till the word of the Lord proved him true. If you want to pray a crazy, spirit-filled prayer, but it's going to require some guts, repeat after me. Say, oh God, let your word Prove me true. Amen. Elijah calls it, uh, pardon me, Isaiah calls it the burdensome valley. Jeremiah calls it a fire shut up in my bones. 
The word of the Lord proved to Joseph till it came to pass. And if you look at the life of Joseph, you see these tests. And I've, I've been through this with you before, perhaps even this time last year, because we're going into this conference and we have seasoned prophets from all around the world that are going to prophesy and minister. It's called the power conference because it's much more than prophecy. But prophecy is a big piece of it. And you're going to get a word. You're going to get a word tonight. You're getting one right now. And that word, when it comes, brings a dividing line. The word of the Lord is like a furnace. When we first got here some 17 years ago, I had a vision in my heart with my wife, my beautiful wife, Pastor Karen, that God was going to bring the golden oil of Zechariah. He called us up here with this vision. That's why this whole project has been called Project Zach. Because when I was minding my own business in the Hawaiian Islands, filled with joy, pastoring a church with a number of great leaders that was in revival, two different churches in the midst of that, God spoke and said, I'm sending you to Alaska. And he said in the same way that there's a pipeline from the North Slope to Valdez that puts oil into vessels and goes all over the world potentially. So that it is that I'm going to send the golden oil of Zechariah on a pipeline that, that I've created, the golden oil of Zechariah will flow. And you, if you know that text, Zechariah is these two trees, which are the two godly leaders, Zerubbabel and, and such, and Zechariah. And, and these two trees, through godly leadership, would flow oil. And I, I saw golden oil coming all over Alaska and pouring out all over Canada and over, over, over to China and, and all the way down to the lower forty-eight. I didn't even know what that meant. It's in relation to building the house of the Lord. I later found out it was in relation to building the house of the Lord. My house is a house of, of prayer. So when we came here, we had, we had all kinds of problems. Almost froze to death in a pickup truck. Had all kinds of challenge, challenges. And all these years later, I, if you just gotten here, your timing's perfect. All these years later, we are just now, I believe, entering in to what I've seen in my, my dream and vision that the Lord gave me. He, some of you, it didn't happen within the first six months, so you figured it wasn't God. Joseph had dreams and he had visions and he had, he had this, the word of the Lord and it tested him. It, it proved him. Luther in the 1500s, Martin Luther, have you heard of him? Not, not Martin Luther King Jr., Luther, Martin Luther, the first Martin Luther. Martin Luther King Jr. was named after him. When Martin Luther, I don't know his, his, his given name, but I think he went there with his father to Germany and he changed his name because he just was going to be a civil rights leader that brought forth transformation and even a reformation. Martin Luther in the 1500s brought a reformation. You know what that did? It brought separation in the church. And I will tell you what will happen when you allow the Holy Ghost to flow, when you allow the Spirit of God to move, when you don't shrink back and you, you press on and you decree and you proclaim and you stand for a vision. You'll have people laugh at you. You'll have people mock you. You'll have people spurn you. You'll have friends that will reject you, but really they weren't your friends anyway. And I've had people that have rejected us and now they're back. And, and how many of you know the devil's the one that's a liar and he's the accuser of their brethren, but it brings a challenge. And Joseph in his immaturity shared his dreams out of season, really. He, he should have just shut his mouth like some of us need to. 
You know, if, if we could just zip our mouths, we would probably avoid three quarters of the problems we're in. I got one amen from a wise Wally on the front. I want to walk you through some of the tests that, that you will go through if you're going to fulfill the plan of God. Some of the tests that you'll go through if you say yes to the word of the Lord, which you just did, you prayed it. I know I tricked you, semi. But when you say yes to God, and you're going to do it, you're going to go all the way. You're going all the way. You go all the way. Not everybody's going to like you. You're going to go all the way. Then it's going to bring a separation. It's even going to bring a separation from family. And in the life of Joseph, in the life of Joseph, we'll call that the pit. Joseph was thrown in the pit for his great dreams. Dysfunctional family. If you came from a dysfunctional family, just raise your hand. <laughs> we all did. Jesus' family was dysfunctional. What are you talking about? They lost him, for God's sake. They lost a 12-year-old. What are you thinking? Well, you don't really understand culturally. They watched out for all of their kids. And so they, yeah, I, I, I know. When you follow the word of the Lord, when you get a word from God, it brings a separation. It can find, you can find yourself in a pit. Write this down. It's a, it's a Jane Hammond, actually, it's a Bishop Bill Hammond phrase. Prophet in training. Prophet in training, the pit. You get a word from God and you begin to go for it. You begin to lead and, and, and take steps of faith and maybe share that dream or share that vision you can end up in a pit. You can have family members that just don't think you're all that great. Of course, not you. <laughs> you can have family members that just don't like, you know, why are you going to that church? You should just come back to the Roman Catholic Church. That's where you belong. You're a heritage of Catholics. Come back to the Catholic Church. And you're like, I can't. I can't. I, I don't get anything out of that, but I went to that, I went to that crazy church. I went over there. My life's changed. I... I I don't get drunk anymore. I don't, I don't steal anymore. I, I don't curse anymore. My wife hated me. Now she thinks I'm the greatest thing, thing since sliced bread. I can't go back there. It just feels dead to me. Now, there are Catholic churches that are full of fire. There are. They're like hen's teeth. How many of you know hen don't have teeth? Okay, they're hard to find. So when you say yes, you'll many times have pushback. We've, I, this has happened here. I, on the 20 something years I've been pastoring, I've seen this. People, I mean, they, every day they go and get a fifth of Jack Daniels and they're getting drilled. They've gone to rehabs. They've gone to all kinds of stuff. Then they get gloriously saved. They get gloriously saved and the family was, you know, not happy that they're an alcoholic or they're drunk. But then when they get gloriously saved and they start serving God, now we have a problem. Now there's a real problem. And I've, I've seen people who are like the black sheep, maybe not alcoholic, but just difficult. And so then they give their hearts to Christ and they're filled with joy. They're smiling, carrying a Bible as big as a moose. And everybody in the family's like, yeah, it's a cult, it's a cult. He was just totally just destroying his life. 
No, he's convicting you of your sin. She's convicting you of your sin. No longer are they sitting, smoking your medicinal sickaweed, but now, now, now they're on fire. Now they're not tormented. Now they're not lying on a couch with all kinds of psychiatric drugs. Now they've been set free and, and, and everybody's upset because they're going to church. It's the pit. How many of you know what I'm talking about? The pit. Separation from family, separation from relationship. And I love what Joseph says in Genesis, I believe it's 45. He says, you, you, what you meant for evil, God did it to save us all. You know, separation is not so bad. Some of you need to push yourself away from some people. I was talking to a, a brother, ministering to him all weekend, in fact. He's 20 years old. He's uh, got all kinds of injuries. I mean, he, he's got like shoulder problems, back problems, all kinds of challenges. Can't go to sleep unless he does a bowl, you know. Oregon needs prayer. They, they need prayer. And so he gets really touched by the Lord and God touches him. And he was you know, over the next few services, he's still on the back row. Now, we, I can see that his countenance has changed. He's still all the way on the wall with his arms folded. And I, I was one of the last services, and I walked in, and I stood next to him, and there he is, leaning against the wall with his arms folded. And no offense if that's you on the back wall. I'm not picking on you. I'm just saying, okay? And I said, dude, what are you doing? He's like, oh, I, I got to stay here. I said, how come? He says, because I said, never mind. Let me just tell you something. I've never seen anybody stay on the back wall with their arms folded, fulfill their destiny ever. I said, so what's the problem? He says, I have anxiety. I said, fight it. What, what do you mean fight it? I said, like, fight it. I'm gonna pray for you. And then you're gonna go find a seat. And then, and then you're gonna get in the seat. I don't mean in the back. No offense. You're saying, please don't get me wrong. But if the shoe fits, wear it. No, I've seen this over and over. I've over and over. When you see many times people come in and they're right in the back so they can quick split when the door, when it's done. Amen. Lord bless. Amen. They're beer. So you might want to sit in the back because of sound or whatever. I'm not picking on you. I'm just saying if you have an attitude that you're going to hide and nobody's going to get to know me, you're in bondage. You got to get set free. So I told this young man, get up in there. He says, my anxiety, I'm going to pray. You're going to go, you're going to get up in there. You sit there and you're going to stay there. So, you know, do you have to go to the bathroom right now? No. I said, great. So I'm only going to preach for, you know, 40 minutes maybe. So you won't be going to the bathroom during my preaching either because you can pretty much hold it. Amen. He's like, um, yeah, yeah. I said, okay. Do you want to, do you want to stay broken? Do you want to stay addicted? Do you want to stay afflicted? Do you want to stay somebody who sits in the waves your whole life? Or do you actually want to bring forth change? Come on, all of us, have, God has got a plan for every one of us, but with our arms folded on the back, yielding to the assignment of the enemy is never going to get you there. You're going to have to go through the pain it takes, the agony it takes to confront your fears, to confront the lies, to renew your mind so that you can do something for God. Am I yelling? So I told him, to, now get in there. And he starts going, I said, wait, and you're going to sing. 
He's like, I can't sing. I said, try. And, and you're going to clap. Here, watch, clap. And, and here's climbing, and worship's going on. And so I made him get off. I said, I, you know, I said, look, I'm, if you're all offended and you hate me, I'm leaving tomorrow. So just get up there. You know, he did that. And that, that, that step of faith so helped him. And he comes from a group of people and a family that doesn't want, they don't want each other free. Do you know the crazy thing? Has anybody ever taken a crab, a, 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 a bucket of crabs, three or four crabs, and you just, I don't mean Alaska, I don't mean mass, the massive ones, you're smaller, like a blue crab. I don't know what we have around here as far as crabs, but not, not a massive crab. But I think it, it would work. You throw them in a bucket, you don't need to put a lid on it. You know why that is? Because when one crab is just about out, the other one will grab them and pull them back. Does anybody ever notice that? That is the way it is many times in families. You'll find yourself in a pit. They just don't want everybody free. And sometimes it's, it's not something that's planned. The second place you might find yourself, not just a pit prophet in training, separation from family, separation from relationships. I had long-time relationships that are no longer long because I became a believer and they said, you're out of your mind, you're crazy. And they blocked me on Facebook. It's interesting, 20 years later, some of them are dead. Others of them have two or three marriages and their lives are destroyed. And they look like they're, you know, 85 and they're only in their 50s. And you think... Huh, wonder what they think about their choice now. The second place, Potiphar's house, is the house of circumstances. The word of the Lord comes, and then many times circumstances arise to contradict the very thing you got from God. I'm going to do this, I'm going to promote, and then the opposite manifests itself. Do you think that's unusual? Does anybody know what I'm talking about? It's the house of circumstances, Potiphar's house. Joseph went right through that because the Lord was with him and he was a man of integrity. And your circumstances will change. Everybody say, my circumstances are going to change. You'll find that with new revelation brings a new separation. When you with new revelation brings brings a a new separation with, with the word of the Lord will come circumstances that will test you. Well, what? We'll test you. One of the things I love about being in Alaska is you all, some of you are still learning, but especially for the sourdoughs, especially for people that cut, the, cut, they cut it out of nothing. I love that. I love that grit of Alaskans. If you tell them they can't do it, it would be every reason we can. That's just sort of how I'm wired up. It's one of the reasons we're here it's one of the reasons this building is here because normal people would have grace straight quit. Normal people would have been like, we're out of here. Not, not Alaskans, not Alaskans with a word from God. Nope, they will not be stopped. And if it means death, so be it. You're gonna see it come to pass. If it burns down, you rebuild it. You go get, you, go get you what you get out of your cash, rebuild it again. Rebuild it again. Get back up and get back up. Dust yourself off and get back up. Get bucked off the horse. Get back up. Get on the horse. And I love that quality about it's something about the environment. It's something about it, it's a redemptive quality. It's, what needs to be changed is you don't do that alone, really. You're supposed to do it with God and with each other. So there's circumstances that'll arise. 
There's no instant Christianity. There's no instant maturity. I should say that better. There is no instant maturity. You will go through stuff that'll, that'll cause you to grow up. Some of you never grew up. You ever heard the phrase adult children of alcoholics? They're frozen. They're many times frozen. And maybe you've been through that. You need to be healed. You need to be set free. There's people that are in their 50s. They act like they're 20. Not no one here. Come on, lift your hands to heaven. Woo! And circumstances will test you and try you and cause you to grow a spine. I would never trade Wally, congregation, Lauren, staff, would never trade the difficulties of what we have been through to build this. You know why? Because it did something to me. I was helping another pastor in another area deal with a problem that would seemed large. I remember when the problem he was having was large. And so he told me what was going on. I said, oh, that's no big deal. Here's what you do. Boom, 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 boom. He did that. Boom, thing unravels, things fixed, church goes on. Sometimes what was a molehill, what was a mountain when we were younger or, or even years ago, became a molehill when you overcame thing, when you overcame it. And the mountains of today will also become molehills if you won't faint, you won't quit. There's circumstances that come. You've got to fight it. You know what's good? Many things, but in his presence, the mountains melt like wax. The prison is the next place of testing moving all along. You, you know, you're... You go through these things, you get a word from the, from the Lord, you're faithful like Joseph, and you can end up in a place where people forget you. You can end up in a place where it just seems like it's taking forever. We had a season of delay here. We preached on, on defeating delay. We had all kinds of delays. I remember witnessing to a 14-year-old kid at the gym. I led him to Christ, and he said, what church are you from? I said, Kings. He said, oh, the one on the hill that they've been building forever? I said, dude. Not been building it forever. But of course, it was half of his life, so he was seven when we started. You'll go through the prison, the place of testing, the house of your friends. I don't know if you've ever been gutted by a close friend. Yeah, recently. Recently. Where... Somebody that you thought was faithful uh, to you and whatever they misunderstood or they shanked you. Has that not happened to you yet? It will. You'll have friends that you thought were friends even for a few decades and they turn. And they, they sell you out or they, they laugh at you or they don't join in with the faith that you have. And prison was like that. The butler, the baker, they were his friend. They were Joseph's friends, and they denied him. Remember me, Joseph says. Remember me. He said, "No problem. I got you. I got you, bro." Yeah. What happened? He got like amnesia the second he got back into the service of Pharaoh, and suddenly he remembered years later. And Joseph was brought out of the prison, the palace. The palace is another test you see in the life of Joseph. 
I don't know that I've experienced this just yet, but maybe in portion. The palace is the test of the world. It's the test of, of tremendous increase, financial increase, the test of tremendous relational increase, the test of power. And if you don't pass that, you'll derail your whole life. So I'd like to have that test. Why don't you pass the test of the prison first and then you might get there. I remember Steve Hill all those years ago. Worship team, please. Musicians, at least. I remember Steve Hill saying, Steve Hill, do you know who Steve Hill was? Steve Hill brought forth the Brownsville revival years ago. And he came and I was, I was his um, armor bearer, if you don't know what means. It's, uh, I was his kind of servant. I helped him. I picked him up. I drove him everywhere. And then I brought him all his props. And he had so many preaching props. It was just awesome. Just, he had all these different things that I was just would help him with. And I was with him for a week. Hanging out with him. He was a Teen Challenge graduate. How many of you know that? Steve Hill was a Teen Challenge graduate, which gave hope for me because I got kicked out of Teen Challenge. I didn't even graduate. Praise the Lord. And he talked about, he talked about how the test of, of the crown, let no man steal your crown out of the book of Revelation, which is quite a thought. That if God would elevate you to the place where you could not be trusted, then you would actually lose your crown. There's a crown in heaven. He's talking about a reward. There are rewards in heaven. I said there's rewards in heaven. You don't just die, go to heaven, wear a white diaper, and play a golden harp, and that's heaven. That's not heaven. He's teaching you to rule and reign. And there's rewards and responsibilities and we'll, we'll, we'll judge even angels. Paul says that. Don't you know who you are? Don't you know who you are? And you're being, you're being tested. You're in, the, you're in the pit, perhaps. You're in, the, you're, you're in the, 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 the place of testing in Potiphar's house. Maybe you're in the prison. All of it is for your promotion, which is really God's promotion, if you'll see it rightly. It's like God shine forth through you. We all have this treasure in earthen vessels. When the word of the Lord comes, it brings a testing. So I don't know where you're at in the process, but the word of the Lord is about to thunder from this place. And, and some of you are like, man, I'm going skiing. I'm going skiing too after the conference because I need a break. <laughs> Amen. Some of you, you haven't taken time to say, I'm going to be a part of that power conference. I'm telling you, get into it. So expensive. It is not. And and honestly, the cost is not even remotely, we're not passing on the costs. We're helping to cushion the expenses. We'll take love offerings for our guests, and we should, and that's what we do. It's not some scheme to get wealthy. Hello. I got one, yeah, where was that? Who was that? God bless you. The Lord's going to bless you for that. Amen. (laughs) Come on, somebody say amen. Amen. Any of you think we're liars and go to church somewhere else because you shouldn't go here. Pastor Karen's not here. We might get in more trouble right now. Oh, but, but, but Lauren's looking at me, so I'm going over here. Amen. Watch out. I just got scared for a second. (laughs) 
<laughs> Come on, lift your hands to Jesus. The word of the Lord will bring a dividing line. I've given you one. God has called you to greatness, but not by the world standard. Greatness, great in God's eyes. A large heart for Him. Obedience. And if you pass these tests, it will come a time when you enter into tremendous favor. And when that happens, will you sell your birthright? Quick illustration. It's actually a true story. The Waldorf Astoria is one of my favorite hotels. It's in Manhattan on Fifth Avenue uh, in the 50s. I want to say 57th Street. I forget. Waldorf Astoria. It's been there for many, many years. And there was a lady that worked there um, 40 years ago. And uh, in working there, she was had a lot of responsibility. Every year, a particular chic used to come in, an oil chic, spending lots of money. She was a, a very attractive lady. She was married. She had some children. And the sheik wanted to be intimate with her. She said, I can't. And she was a believer, too, as the story goes. She said, I can't. I, I'm, I'm not that kind of woman. I don't, I, don't, I don't do that. I'm not doing it. Well, year after year, he would come, the same thing. I'll pay you money. I'll do this. I'm married. I love my husband. Just don't do that. So this one year, uh, he comes, and she had gotten in a lot of uh, debt. They, they made some financial mistakes, and uh, things turned, had great financial difficulty, and econ the economy turned. And so here comes the sheik, and he offers and says, okay, this year, $1 million, $1 million if you'll come with me. And she thought to herself, I can't do that, but if I had a million dollars, if I just had a million dollars, I could fix our problem. And so she acted on the proposal. He sent a car for her later that night, picked her up in a limousine, they went and had dinner, and then he went with her and did what they did. She left and got a ride back to the rendezvous point and in the car he's dealing with the sheik's uh, you know, servant and negotiator. He says, okay, so um, uh, I know we said a million dollars, but how about 250000 And she said, she starts weeping. She said, you said a million. You said a million. 300000 You said a million dollars. It says 500000 our final offer is 500000 She said, what kind of a woman do you think I am? And he said, we've already discovered what kind of a woman you are. She wept bitterly and took the money. I don't know what it would be for you to lose out. What would it be for you to sell out? Pretty intense story. It said nothing. 
yet and still some of you sell out to the refrigerator every day. God's trying to tell you to take, get a hold of yourself, but you, you, you keep doing the very thing that's going to cause you to have heart, high blood pressure. You keep doing the very thing. I'm just, bring, I'm just making it plain. Don't get mad at me. I'm just making it plain. God is trying to bring you out of the pit, trying to bring you to these different places, but you don't, you don't see where it's at. He's trying to teach you to rule and reign. The word of the Lord is coming to you now, but it's also coming this weekend. And it's to prepare you for that which is ahead. The days ahead, the greatest days that mankind has ever lived in. We're headed to the greatest outpouring, the greatest revival there has ever been. Unprecedented release of God's power. This is the day. This is the hour. Come on, online, wherever you're at, right here in the sanctuary, lift your hands to heaven. Come on, lift your hands to heaven. Let the Holy Spirit touch you. Be convicted. It's a convicting message. Where am I? Because sometimes we get in the prison, separated from our friends that don't like us. It's the devil that hates you and he inspires people to do the same. It's not people. Maybe you're in the pit where your family's rejected you. Maybe you're in this, this, this place where you've been separated now that you said yes to God. Don't turn back. Don't turn back now. The man who puts his hand to the plow and turns back is not fit, says the word of God, says Jesus in the parable. Not fit for the kingdom. You turn back. Okay, people don't like you. Is this about a popularity contest? It's about salvation in the kingdom, and it is an act of violence. I I used to, I had such a man-pleasing spirit. You can put your hands down if you want to. I had such a man-pleasing spirit, I had to have that thing broken. I was so affected by the way people thought about me, it it would completely run me. Anything I could do to get a pat on the back. Man-pleasing. Fear of man brings a snare. Fear of man will destroy you. I'm delivered from it. I've been delivered. Some of you need to be delivered from that. I humorously say there's only statistically two or three people that like you. So it doesn't really matter if people don't like you. What really matters is that the Lord loves you and that you find yourself in great security in the arms of the Father. You find yourself in great security in God. And then you're going to have people that don't like you. You're going to have people that want to throw you in a pit. You're going to have people that when you find yourself in prison, they say you're your friend and they'll forget about you. You're going to find yourself in a place of testing. And, and you'll find yourself even in the palace. When it gets there, will, it, will you be able to purchase? What would you sell your soul for? I would never do that. Just make sure you don't do it tomorrow through a little morsel. God's trying to elevate the church. That is the word of the Lord for 2023. It's time for elevation. I want you to say that. It's time for, it's time for elevation. But if God can't trust you with it, he's not going to get it to you. And you say, well, well, I've been very trustworthy and look at all that I have. That's probably from the devil. It could be God's mercy too. Maybe you snap out of it. Pretty intense message. Oh, I, I want to finish my course. I want to finish my course. I know, Lord, there might be future pits. I know there might be future prisons. I know, Lord, there might be future circumstances and things that, that I might go through. 
places of testing. I know there might be a Potiphar's house perhaps in the future. I understand that. Lord, in the test of the palace for all of us, may we never sell out. May we be people of conviction no matter what. May we please you no matter what. There is, we don't bow down to the almighty dollar because it's not almighty. There's only one who's almighty, only one. His name is Jesus. And when this world fades away and you find yourself before his throne, you'll receive rewards. Some will suffer loss. This is the hour to take a good stock, a good survey of where you are and where your heart is as the word of the Lord is about to be released in an unprecedented manner. I'm telling you, this weekend is going to be historic. Well, I hope you were encouraged by God's word. Thank you again for listening to Kings Alaska podcast. God bless you. For more great content, go to kcalaska.com and may God's face shine upon you and give you peace.